Carter, it's good to have you with us. Um, I know I'm jumping in here. Normally, Clark starts the hellos and everything. But I just wanted to say that uh, shame on you for making me miss Winnie the Pooh tonight. So that oh. we can... <laughs> well, I have Dude. a feeling you'll get another chance to see that one. No, I hope not. I, I went <laughs> I went to the mean one, which was kind of another like IP dodge. Uh-huh. And uh, it did not pay off. Uh, of, the, of the Grinch? The Grinch one, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. starts your cousin, too. Art the Clown. That's right. Yeah. So, no, Carter, um, thank you for being here with us. I, uh, I'm guessing you're at the end of a PR gauntlet today. Uh, today, no, actually. Um, I mean, maybe at the, at the end of a, of a gauntlet over the last week or so, but today has been, you know, I just got back from a hike in the park. So, like, oh, uh, okay. yeah. Oh. Well, then normally we allow guests who uh, blindly go where no man should into several different podcasts that are unvetted. To kind of take control of the show and ask your own question, but I guess we'll uh, reject your privilege today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't so need to steer the ship on this one. Okay, cool. Go ahead. I'm all done, Clark. Yeah. All right. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so, Carter, I mean, you know, yesterday you took a walk, the, you took a walk of park today. You know, the release was yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, how, how was a day after the film finally being released? How are you feeling? Uh, good. I mean, just happy that fi- people can finally watch the film. I mean, we spent so long on the road and the festival tour with this film and just so, I mean, I heard from so many people along the way, like, when can I watch it? Where can I watch it? How can I see it? How can I, and you know, and it's just nice to finally be able to say, this is exactly how you can watch it. And then to hear from people, you know, who do watch it. Um, I mean, I think digital releases like VOD releases can be a little bit like, it can sort of be a little like, uh, did it really happen or not? If it happened on the internet, like, you know, but, but, you know, people have been eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people have been pretty, um, pretty great, like reaching out just DMS and messages and emails and, you know, the reaction has been, has been great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should, because I, you should know this already, Carter, but you got a pretty good movie on your hands. Uh, thank so, you. So, you know, I think it I think it works out for itself. I mean, this thing, we watched this uh on a whim. We were we were entertaining guests at our home and uh we are we are always them? we did. <laughs> we certainly did. And um you know, she she's no stranger. Uh you know, prior films that we've shown her uh Velocipastor. So, she she can she knows the deal. She can but, roll with them, yeah. That's right. So, we um we always get a lot of screeners, Carter. So this one, you know, just another in the bunch. Very quickly, Swallow started to stick out, man. And um, it was just a, a wild ride. And, you know, Russ, I know this took you by surprise, especially, you know, once our um, the star of the show makes his appearance, you know, because I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. The connection. Hold on, hold on. Before, before we go there, I just have to say, uh, Carter Smith, I, I hadn't known your name until I became in, uh, I fell in love with Swallowed. But the reason, so we did have guests over and a lot of them, one of them does our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And so we're hanging out and we were shooting out all these movies. And the thing that caught me about Swallowed was that uh, Oksana over here, one of our producers, pitched pitched it and then she said it's also from it's the guy who directed the ruins and i don't has that now that movie culturally for me 
Um, here, let me give you a little context. We live out here in the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. the place we would get all our physical media would be Amoeba Records. And, you know, you dig through the horror section there, and you just kind of buy up whatever you can. Yeah. And the Ruins just had a, a cover that just looked like, you know, kind of like Walmart fodder. Yeah, but totally. When you, when you got home and watched <laughs> that it. That was Randy's band in high school. <laughs> yeah, but when you, it's one of those movies that you started to know who the real horror fans were. Because you'd be like, hey, you've seen The Ruins? And it'd be like, fuck yeah. And it became like a secret handshake. Yeah. So when I, I heard that you had done another one, my first thought was, where have you been? And then second, I was just elated. And dude, you did not disappoint. But it also looks like you've been incredibly busy too. Yeah. Well, you know, the the Ruins is one of those films that like, it kind of went under the radar when it came out. And then it definitely, you know, over the years, I mean, I I think actually like, I mean, I only became aware of it in the last couple of years um, that, that it has a lot of fans that I did not know were out there. And I think that once, you know, podcasts exploded and people were talking about films and looking for films to talk about. And I could actually hear people, you know, that actually liked the film. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of amazing to, you know, to realize that it has this whole other life that didn't just, um, you know, live and die on its, on its theatrical release. Um, you know, but, but I mean, after that, I, I, I made a movie called Jamie Marks is dead, which is like a sort of high school ghost story coming of age type story, um, which is, you know, a little, you know, less full on horror than the ruins. Um, and then I went and did, a, I did a film for Blumhouse uh, a couple years ago called midnight kiss, uh, for their Hulu into the dark series. Um, but like also like I, I sort of have gone back and forth between taking pictures, doing still photography which is what I was doing, you know, before I was making films and sort of bouncing back and forth between, you know, stills and, and, and films. Are, are you still, uh, doing still photography? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not as, not as like I did when I was first starting, like I'm much sort of more focused on films now. Um, and you know, I think that the, you know, the photography is, you know, is a great day job and I have, you know, a lot of great opportunities, but like, I would much rather be, you know, in the woods somewhere making a horror movie. No, well, that's more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> taking a picture. Well, you know, I, I love photography and I think one of the things that gets lost in modern cinema is the art of the frame. And I, I'm curious as a director who also does his own photography, do you end up storyboarding your films or do you kind of like find it in the moment? Um. I don't, I don't do a lot of storyboarding unless it's a complicated sequence that requires complicated coverage. Um, because I'm pretty confident like on the day, like, you know, while we're on set, you know, sort of figuring out like knowing, okay, this is where the camera is. And this is, you know, this is not where it should be. It should be, you know, a foot to the left and down a little bit. So like, there's a very sort of, I have a, a very sort of confident shorthand with, uh, my DPs that I've worked with you know, just in communicating like what the light is like and where the camera should be that like, doesn't, it doesn't take me long to figure that out. Like, which I think comes from, you know, spending so long in photography and, and, and sort of doing that on a daily basis. Yeah. What an incredible skill to have while making a movie. Cause you know, with like an indie film, uh, yours particularly, they, they feel a little bit fresh in the camera. And I know that, uh, I don't, I, I, 
talk so much about framing in movies and I think people think I'm crazy for it, but there's something to it. Like you kind of have the, um, the feel of like a Tarantino film where we're not getting a lot of repeat shots. Like we're not cutting back and forth a ton. And I don't know. It's just something I appreciate and I had to call out. And when I saw that you were a fashion designer, I thought that was incredible too. Fashion photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, designer. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) we didn't we didn't i actually went to school like that's when i when i moved to new york when i was 17 i studied fashion design but but shortly after getting there i was like no i don't want to do this this is this is not for me um but like but i think that part of the reason that you know that the film looks the way it does is because we didn't you know we didn't sort of take a pr- traditional approach to coverage it wasn't like you know we've got coverage on this side and then a coverage on that side like it was very kinetic and you know because the film the whole film is handheld you know the the operator you know the who the dp just kind of was able to follow the action in the room as it was unfolding you know because in that in that cabin with those four characters you know there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of stuff that you know they're 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 bouncing off the walls and and you know he he had the freedom you know we lit the whole room and then he had the freedom to just kind of follow wherever you know wherever they went it really great. feels like that too. It the Good. energy at that third act is just incredible. And oh, yeah. I you know what Clark was teeing up earlier is while we were watching the film, I was a little worried in the beginning. I was like, wait, is this a horror movie? And I didn't mean that in a bad way. A, a lot of the time I give praise to um Aaron Moorhead and uh Justin Baker's film Benson. Benson uh of uh what the hell is it called? Spring. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. No, I think like a good horror film can stand on its own without the horror element. And those are, you know, it's pretty easy to win over a audience that isn't like keen on horror that way. And your mm-hmm. film played like a gritty drama at first. Yeah. And I'm like, this is good, but where are we going? And oh my God. I man. have, I have patience, Carter. I <laughs> yeah, have patience. Good, I'm good, like, good I, to I, hear. I, well, I mean, if you, if you don't lay the groundwork with that other stuff and you don't make people fall in love with the characters, then, you know, the that? horror isn't effective. Carter, he is a troglodyte. <laughs> he doesn't understand. He's a caveman. He's learning. He's learning. Yeah. No, I, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> when you pulled out Mark Patton, my God, I, you know, I've met him at a couple conventions and yep. he's such a character and yeah. he's a blast to be around. It's like, my God, he's so different in Nightmare on Elm Street too. Of course, he is the, uh, the final boy in that film. And, uh, well, Dude. of course, that was a long time ago. You know, yeah. it, it was it was fun for him to to you know kind of come back and be a completely different character. You know, when he when he got the script, he was like, you know, I think his first reaction was like, you know, but I'm I'm too old to play Benjamin, the beautiful <laughs> young boy. And then he was like, oh, wait a second, like, yo, I'm rich. That okay, this makes more sense. Now, okay. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if the praise is a burden or not, but I'm going to bring up Tarantino again. And it completely felt like that, like kind of rediscovering the talent. Mm-hmm. And man, it just felt like you let him loose in this movie. Like, um, the buddy that we watched it with Terrell, who does his YouTube, our YouTube channel, he was asking, he, he begged me to ask if you scripted most of his lines or was that ad lib? Yeah, and that was mostly scripted. I mean, there you know, there's a couple of of you know stuff that he would kind of go off and do, and I would encourage him to do that. But you know, he worked pretty closely to the script for the most part. Um, but I, I did also write the part with him 100 percent in mind. So I, I sort of I had seen the doc Scream Queen, 
And so I sort of, I had a sense of, you know, who I hoped would be saying the words when they were finally happening in front of the camera. But like, of course I didn't, you know, I had no connection to him. I didn't know him. Um, but you know, I, I sort of, I wrote it with his voice in mind. So I think that might be part of why it works as well as it does. And, and luckily yeah. he, you know, he, he responded to my DM on Instagram when I, you know, messaged him and said, I wrote a script for you. And like, it, we ended up getting a chance to make the movie together. That's great, man. And that's just great collaboration. Cause there, there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to that then. Cause, uh, Dude, he just he took it and ran with it. It was great. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and you know, the 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 up up to the point when he enters the movie too, it's such a different dynamic between everyone. And then he comes in and everything changes. Yeah. And which I, you know, was, you know, it was it was structured that way and it was sort of intended that way, but it but it is like a sharp left turn that that a lot of people don't expect uh, you know, going in. And people love it or hate it, you know. Well, it's also it's it's good to have that. It's sort of um, sort of William Castley in a, in a way in a bad bad way. There's a bad joke coming <laughs> okay. where you know a lot of people are falling asleep. It's going to pick them up. He's going to yep. pick them up right there. You know, to me, it always felt like Blue Velvet, where I'm like, oh, this movie is very yeah. like like it's just a good drama and everybody's working. And then Dennis and, Hopper comes in huffing exactly. his shit. Exactly. But it, yep, you know, and everything changes, dude. And I who who doesn't like that? I haven't read that anywhere. I honestly, I I thought Mark. Oh my god, he's so good in the film. I'm shocked that he hasn't been utilized or like, like I don't. You know the way he said "fuck" in that movie. <laughs> I think yes. about that regularly. <laughs> like I don't, was how was it shooting him? Was I just see in my head? I imagine him showing up. And like you'd, the, you'd be laughing every take. Well, I imagine he shows up like kind of tipsy. Like I'm like, you can't do this sober, right? Tipsy on diet coke, perhaps. That that that's his. Uh, you know that that's that's his advice. But I mean, my, we yeah. we were shooting like in in Maine. You know that that cabin is an off the grid cabin that is you know literally miles and miles from the paved road. There's no electricity. There's no internet. There's no flushing toilet. And so you know when he arrives on set. It is from, you know, he's flown in and then driven for about, you know, four hours, you know, to get to the closest point on the paved road. And then it's like a, a four wheel drive off, you know, dirt road, you know, for another 30 minutes to get to the camp. You know what I mean? So he, you know, he, it, it was, it was kind of a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, another reason that this one just like, it caught us on our radar was our, our engineer, Randy, who, who tuned in earlier. He was sold on just the inclusion of Jenna Malone. Now, I yeah. was shocked when, you know, when we scheduled this interview, I, I looked back at the ruin because I haven't watched it in forever. And I just remember loving it. And I was kind of shocked to see that she was in that, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I like how how did you end up working with her originally? Because, you know, as a horror fan, I love the like Nightmare on Elm Street discovery of like Johnny Depp. And yeah. it seems like her career didn't really take a, a dark turn into like horror genre until working with you. Yeah, well, she, I mean, the thing about Jenna is that she, she kind of does it all. She does, you know, sort of prestige dramas and she can do, you know, she did Sucker Punch and like sort of superhero, you know, stuff. And, but she's also, you know, pops up in amazing indies all over the place. And, you know, I, 
fell in love with her for the ruins, you know, back, back when we were putting that together. Cause I just thought that she was, I mean, not only like an incredible actress, but also just very real. She was great for the, for that, for that part and, and brought so much kind of levity and, and, you know, humanity to what could have been like a otherwise kind of out there story. Um, and we just, after the, after the ruins, we just stayed friends and stayed in touch and had talked about finding something to do together. And, and just for one reason or another, hadn't found the right thing. And, and, you know, I wrote this again with her in mind and, and kind of sent it to her and was like, hoping that she'd be down to come to the backwoods of Maine and, you know, sleep in a cabin, you know, without air conditioning and uh, in the middle of nowhere and no internet. And, you know, she was, she was down. So, yeah. And, and I think it's also really fun for, to see her as a bad guy or a bad girl. You know, the, that role is, is a, is a character that you would normally expect to be kind of a big burly guy. And, you know, to have her come on and be this like sort of soft spoken, you know, little blonde girl with a sing song voice and a, and a gun, you know, is, yeah. is kind of a nice surprise. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about writing the characters, Benjamin and Dom? Now I, I want to give a little context just because there are so many movies that it almost seems like they use um, gay protagonists as like a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. And in your film, I don't know the relationship just, it didn't feel like it was like tagged on superficially. And I, I thought it was yeah. one of the more rich, interesting relationships, especially right. how different in the culture they both like uh, occupied. Like yeah. Benjamin's character, my God, I was, I, I like, I don't want to ruin the movie, but just the journey he goes on to like, you know, the end is just, I thought it was incredible. It's something I, I think about often. Yeah. Well, I think that that you know that was that was one of the starting points of the movie was was really like starting with that relationship and this idea that you know they're they've grown up in this small town together and they've been best friends and you know they're feeling you know their history is complicated and and Benjamin has come to a point where he's like you know small town Maine is not enough for him anymore and he has you know he has someone that he wants to be that he he you know really can't be in the town that he grew up in and. You know, there's something kind of bittersweet about that for Dom to watch him go, and and I think that what's you know what what I like about the Benjamin character, you know, and his sort of gayness and queerness is that like in a lot of films where you have a gay main character, like that's what the film is about somehow. And and I wanted to tell a story that like it's not really about that. That's like part of who he is, but it's not all of who he is, and it's not necessarily it's not what gets him into the trouble in the story and it's sort of it isn't what drives the story and it's sort of just uh you know it's an aspect of his character but it doesn't have to be about you know his struggle with his sexuality or you know i mean I, I, that just that you know a character like that can have a, a an incredibly kind of rich and complicated relationship with his best friend that you know is as complicated as our relationships are in you know in the real world yeah it's dude it's it's one of those things that i think about and it's so vibrant that you almost want the movie to give you answers but like they show up and that relationship is nuanced and it ends and there's really no there's no end yeah and man i don't know i i just i love that kind of genre storytelling i mean it's yeah. the same way you treat the uh the the load that's being carried yeah now 
I'll let okay. me take let me take the baton. <laughs> yeah. Because that comes up my next question. So Carter, the, the, I have to plead ignorance on this to, to some degree because the the correlation of drugs and bugs <laughs> is this a thing in the parlance of our times or is this a construction of your own i, I mean okay these these drugs are are these bugs are are fictitious but i mean you know you've you've heard of ayahuasca before and you've heard of have yeah. you i mean i don't know if you've heard of people you know that sort of the amazonian jungle toad who's venom like you know i, I don't know the name of it necessarily but like you know there, I, I think that there's a there's a correlation to the natural world and, you know, the sort of the, an overlap with sort of a drug narrative that I found really interesting. And I, you know, for me, the, the scariest things are always the things that are realistic, you know, that, that, that could happen, you know, like the stuff that I'm not, I'm not scared of possessions and, you know, other dimension demons and and things like that. But like something like this, I find, I find terrifying. Yeah, bugs in your butt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because it's like bugs are more relatable than drugs. I think yeah. to most people. Yeah. And the thought of like carrying a baggie of like, I don't know, even like fentanyl, which everybody just knows will like murder you outright. You can't really imagine it the way that you could like, uh, some, I don't know, like a centipede crawling around in you. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, yeah. having, I mean, the fear of having something alive inside you, I mean, it, there, you know, there's a, that's a very real sort of fear of a parasitic, you know, like that, that's, that, that's primal, I think. Oksana, did you feel that way when you had your baby? <laughs> she, All right, she doesn't have a mic. <laughs> <laughs> now, how perfect was the release date being on Valentine's Day? Was that yeah, something great. you planned or? Like, does distribution come to you and they're like, hey, guess what? We got <laughs> a great idea. We, yeah, I mean, we looked at a bunch of different dates. And once once they mentioned that, I was like, yes, let's please try. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Because, you know, it is it is a, you know, a, a, a messed up love story, basically, at, at its heart. And that, that you know, is is something that a lot of people can relate to. And then if you hate Valentine's Day, it's a, it's a good kind of, it's a it's a good kind of movie to watch, you know. If you, if you hate <laughs> Valentine's Day as much as if you love it, you know, so it kind of works both ways. Hitting it all. I don't know I, if you're some bitter person who's just mad at Valentine's, and you're watching this movie. The one thing that is very clear is there, there's a love connection going on. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like you'd still be mad. <laughs> yeah, you'd but, still yeah you'd still feel left out perhaps, but at least at least you know it's there's there's a little bit of a comeuppance that happens. Like. Honestly, I feel like no, like, like uh, the nuance in that romance. I can't get over it because you start oh, off, you're, you're rooting for your protagonist, right? You want to see them succeed. Yet at the beginning of the movie, the goal is that they break up, like that they go long distance, and it, it's like immediately, it's something that just you can chew on. Yeah, and I, I just remember as like the movie ratchets up. That's always in the background. Like, well, okay, if they get out of this, like. Are they going to stay? Yeah, where do they stand? What's going to happen? Yeah. I, I'll say, I don't think they would. I think they I would. Mean, I think that also, like, I think that there was something interesting about the them being out for this sort of last night together and, and sort of knowing that this was kind of the end of one chapter that, that kind of makes, you know, maybe it was easier to talk about stuff. And it was like, there was a last chance for, yeah. for the two of them to kind of speak what was on their mind in a way that, that they hadn't done before. 
Um, and so that, that, that kind of gives them freedom to, to open up a little more than they might have normally. All right. Now we only have a few more minutes for Carter and I have to sneak this in. Then I'll let you do whatever you want to do to close it out. I like okay. that. <laughs> Carter, before we cut you loose, I have to ask you this question because if okay. I don't, then, then 12 year old Clark inside of me will, will be very sad. So I want to know, was working with S club seven as much of a dream as I would have liked it to have been? I mean, it was kind of fun. I, I, I had never done a music video before and yeah. that was, the, I, that was the first music video I did. And I, and I wrote this treatment and it was about like, you know, them traveling around in this magical, uh, bus that, that, that shot out puffs of pink smoke. And then once all the townspeople inhaled the pink smoke, they became rabid S club seven fans. And, you know, started chasing after the bus, which then took off into the sky at the end of the video and flew off into the clouds. Like, you know, at the end of that video, there's like a marching band chasing them. And like, you know, it was kind of fun. I, yeah. I mean, you know. Russ, did you ever watch that on ABC no. Family? I want to now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun one. Reach for the stars. It sounds more relevant than ever with bus sized objects in the clouds. It just, if it yeah. got shot down, <laughs> yeah. we have a new, we have a new music video for our uh, playlist down there. Oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to put the hooks in you and force you to stay longer, but I do have to know, is this the beginning of a new relationship with horror or do you have your sights set somewhere else? I, I mean, I've always loved horror and you know, I, you know, the Runes is solidly horror. Midnight Kiss is horror. Jamie Marks is dead is, you know, is kind of horror adjacent and that it's a ghost story. Um, I, I, I have no problem calling myself a horror filmmaker. That's, that's what I love as an audience. And that's those are the, usually the stories that I I'm drawn to is something dark and twisted and usually disturbing. Well, you strike me as the type of guest we have that is so productive that you don't get a lot of time to watch movies. But do you have a like modern recommendation of something you liked recently? I would say the Outwaters. Uh, that's our boy. I love the Outwaters. You know, and and I saw it at a festival earlier last year, and just I mean, I'm not a found footage fan, but like <laughs> I that one was like a like a like a punch in the gut. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty psyched to help spread the word on that. Um, and then I saw another movie called Sick of Myself. Which I think is a is a either a Swedish or a Danish movie. I don't think it. I don't know if it's out yet, but it is well worth searching high and low to see. Okay, okay. I noted that for yeah. the Outwaters, we're we're buddies with Robbie. Um, we run a film fest called the Unnamed Footage Festival. Where oh, you guys? I, that's you. So you're the ones yeah, yeah. that, that unleashed the Outwaters originally. That's us. Yeah. See, and, but you film footage. See, we we had a guest pass going your way right now. <gasps> I, the movie, I, the, I didn't say I hate. I just I, I'm I'm not usually I'm not a fan normally. Mary Beth McAndrews has has slowly been, you know, kind of guiding me down the found footage path to make sure that I am seeing the right stuff. Um and you know, I like I, I think that if if they were all as good as the Outwaters, I would be a, a found footage fanatic. You know, the problem is that found footage gets kind of put in a corner. Like it's been yeah. like culturally it's painted into a corner and there was that there was a lot of stigma. I mean, I get it after the Blair Witch and all the paranormal activities, but I know you're dying to say yes, because he actually has two uh, found footage related recommendations uh, because the director of Sick of Myself is Christopher Borgley. Do you know who that is? No. The director of Drib. 
Oh, which shit. Which was also shown at the Unnamed Footage Festival. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look for that because I want to see everything and any, anything that that director does. Drib is incredible. Drib okay. is a good example Drib of his great. Drib isn't really found footage horror, but you know, we're we're trying to change the terminology. And we have the an umbrella term called in-world camera, which is kind mm-hmm. of anything where the crew, anything from like Borat to uh Spinal Tap. As yeah, long as yeah. the camera like people like characters are creating the film and Drib is a that's a way to blend reality yeah. with with faux reality. Re- really <laughs> solid. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, I got derailed there. Uh, if you if you want to come hang out with Mary Beth and Robbie, the film fest is at the end of March. We'll be out here in San Francisco. Okay, and, well, you might you might see me. There's there's a chance. Well, we'll come check around. the list. We'll put you on it. Um, okay, Carter, cool. Again, I got to tell you, Swallowed was incredible. Um, I think you might have you, you may have resurrected Mark's career. It's so fucking good. He is the modern Dennis Hopper. <laughs> I do. I love I that. Love I love that comparison. And he's still alive. Yeah, <laughs> he's double winning. God. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out, man. Again, love the film. You're fantastic. I I can't wait to see more movies from you. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, dude. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.